1: on he's our refuge he's our strength hallelujah hallelujah he's the one that we run to in times of trouble hallelujah jesus he's a very present help in time of need amen amen it feels good to be in god's house once again here tonight amen excited about what god is doing in his church amen and so thankful to be a part of it Pastor and Sister Carter, they're still away on vacation. They'll they'll be back with us in a week and a half. They go from uh, vacation to meetings in St. Louis next week. So just pray for them as they travel and uh, pray for their safe return. They'll be back with us for our service on the 5th. And we're excited about what God is going to do. Amen. Not this weekend, but next weekend we have our youth weekend that's taking place here. We have Brother Daniel Bernard that's coming to preach the word of the lord during that uh, during that weekend we're excited to have him hey, Amen. we're just expecting great things and um tonight in the carter's absence we have asked brother jocelyn if he would come and preach the word of the lord and i'm going to invite him to come at this time can we you make him feel welcome as he comes
0: It's good news. We're only a week and a half away from Brother Carter, but tonight you still have to endure through me. Um, I You can be seated. I uh, noticed that everyone who's come up here in February has made sure that they, they give honor to Brother Carter and Sister Carter and made me think, like, does he watch these services like while well, he's gone? And I was thinking, I kind of hope he doesn't. Like, doesn't he deserve a vacation from us? Like, don't we feel like we're a lot? <laughs> like, that he should get one month where he just doesn't even have to think about us. And uh, but if you are watching, Brother Carter, I honor you. And Sister Carter, obviously as well. Um, actually, I honor them because, like, for me, I get to come up here, talk for half an hour. Put the mic down and leave, and never have to think about it again until six months or whatever. but for him, like he gets to do this, and then he has to deal with all of us, calling him and texting him and talking to him, and like this is the easy part for him, and sometimes I think we lose sight of how difficult a job he has and all his team as well. It's thankless job sometimes, but I'm glad we have. The men and women that we do here, it makes a huge difference, and I agree. Let's pray for their safe travels and get back here. Amen. Uh, Tonight, uh, I'm going to talk to you on a pretty common Christian subject, something that we're all pretty familiar with. I've got props here that I'm going to bring out here in a bit. I know you're all excited. Don't get too excited because they're not that exciting, but... Um, I do have props, so whenever a preacher brings a bag up on the stage, he's like, something's going to happen. I don't know what it is, but something's about to happen. Uh, Tonight I'm going to talk to you on this thought, and the title is, How Much Grace? So the question, how much grace? So the grace of God, obviously, is a well-known, well-discussed, well-talked-about subject. Everybody knows a little bit about it, and um, I'm going to... kind of give a little precursor caveat thing like whenever someone gets up and preaches a lot about the grace of God it almost kind of feels like you have to give like the but that doesn't mean that it's a license to sin speech that makes sense Um, because you know we all know that the grace of God is real we all know that it's our backing we know that it's there to bail us out when we're in trouble um, but that doesn't mean that we can take it lightly and say, well, I'm just going to go do whatever I want because I know the grace of God's going to be there to catch me and I'll just keep using the grace of God, right? It's like an ATM with no limit on it, okay? And technically, it is. But that doesn't mean you should use it that way. Because whenever you do that, I highly recommend we don't do that because we're always making that assumption that you're going to get back to the ATM, and you can get to a point in your life where you fool around with it too much that you can't get back. Or maybe physically you have no way back because you just ran out of time. So don't play with the grace of God. But at the same time, it's there, so use it. Sometimes we get ourselves so locked in the other way that we're like, we, we beat ourselves up to death that we're like, oh, I just I'm a horrible person. The grace of God is there. You're not a horrible person. You're not, Brother Eugene was touching on this on um, Sunday night. He said, he said, I have friends. And I tried to bring them to church, and they say, Well, if I come to church, I'll just burst into flames, or the building will follow me, or I'll get hit by lightning. You've all heard those. Okay, no, you won't. The grace of God is more than able to handle whoever you are, whoever we are, whatever we bring in here. There's a lot of people sitting in this room who have brought some stuff into this room, and God was more than able to handle it. And he was, he's able to handle it tonight, and he'll be able to handle it on Sunday. So you're not going to get hit by lightning when you walk into the church. Well, I'm going to say it can't happen, but chances are it's not going to happen. The only time that I ever got close to lightning was actually in this, on this property, but it had nothing to do with me being a bad person. We actually had a prayer meeting and apparently called down fire. Um... So that's kind of my, like, little speech on the grace of God. I'm not saying it's a license to sin or any of that stuff, okay? God's grace is amazing. Now, when I think of God, I kind of picture kind of an OCD personality, okay? He likes things the way he likes them, and, like, there's no approaching him and getting him to change it. If you read Matthew, sorry, Brother Donnie, I'm going to be quick here, but Matthew 5 and 18... It says, verily, verily, I say, it doesn't say verily, it says, for verily, one verily, I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall nowise wise pass from the law till it all be fulfilled. So there, God's saying, I'm not taking one apostrophe, one punctuation mark off my word until heaven and earth are gone and everything is fulfilled. That's pretty strict. That's no room for change, no room for... For um, bartering, there's nothing. It's, this is the Word of God, I'm not changing. Then you think about time. Okay? God and time. Every day has the same amount of time. And there is a set time when Jesus will return. Matthew 24:36. Jesus again said, But of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father in heaven. Yes, we don't know the day. We think we do, we like to predict it. Oh, it's gonna be this, it's gonna be that, it's gonna be after this, after that. But we don't know the day, but that doesn't mean he doesn't. It's been settled probably forever. He knows exactly when that day is. And he's not changing it based on whether whether I feel good or bad that day. I always say, Jesus is gonna come back when he wants to come back, and he's under no obligation to tell me when it's gonna be. That's for all the people who like to try to figure it out. I'm sorry. Stop wasting your time. (laughs) The Bible already told you you don't know, so stop trying. So God's pretty rigid. God is pretty, like, there's straight lines. Like, this is how it is. This is how it goes. I don't change. And then we come to the topic of grace, and it could not be more completely different or opposite. He gives the most ambiguous description that leads to the question, like, how much grace does God have? Romans 5.20. Wait for him to have it. And then it says, when it comes to grace, that's not what it says. That's my notes. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Okay, now that's King James. That's a little chunky and hard to understand. I'm going to read it in Amplified. But the law came to increase and expand the awareness of the trespasses by defining and unmasking sin. But where sin increased, God's remarkable, gracious gift of grace, His unmerited favor has surpassed it and increased all the more. I've read that verse in 15 different English versions of the Bible. and in every, You know how sometimes it says one thing and in every single one it's basically the same thing. No matter how much sin goes up, grace always goes up higher. How can God say, I'm not changing one thing from my word. I'm not changing time. I'm not changing anything. But when it comes to grace, there's literally no limit. It's this ambiguous number where he just says it's it is what it is how much have you sinned it's that much plus a bit more every single time that's pretty cool to me here's a few more scriptures on grace psalm 103 and 12 as far as the east is from the west so far hath he removed our trans- transgressions from us okay this has been well documented that's an unmeasurable distance okay because you can only walk in one direction and around earth i'm sorry flat earthers if it is take on things. I guess it is measurable. However, if you believe in a round earth like the Bible says, you cannot stop walking east. You cannot stop walking west. It is an immeasurable distance of space. That's how far God has taken your sin away from you. Think about that. I'm going to go back to my sin. Actually, you physically can't. It's impossible. Matthew 18, 21 and 22 Peter, Peter's us, let's just, Peter and us, we're, we're pretty much the same. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him, till seven times. That's the end of verse 21. You have to think Peter thought, like, man, he's going to think I'm so good, because I said seven. Don't you think that's what Peter was thinking? Like, I said seven. He's going to think, yes, you're learning, son, you're, you're really getting it. And Jesus seemingly snaps back. Says, I say not unto thee until seventy times, but and seven times, but until seventy times seven. Peter, you got to take it up seven thousand percent. And that's your starting point. Peter, oh, I thought seven was a lot. Micah seven nineteen. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our, our iniquities and, and that will cast all their sins unto the depths of the sea. The deepest part of the ocean here on earth is in the Pacific Ocean. It's over 10 kilometers deep. Nobody can go down there and find your sin. It's physically impossible for a human to go down there. So, if the question is, how much grace is available, then the answer can only be, how much do you need? Because that's how much is available for you tonight. One more cool thing on grace. We know that the Apostle Paul had an affliction. It doesn't specifically say, some people think it was his eyesight. Could have been another health issue. Could have been something spiritual. We're not 100% sure. But we know he had an affliction. We know he prayed to God earnestly three times. Okay? Like, he didn't just say, oh, God. It was earnest. So maybe he fasted and took a whole day and spent 24 hours praying about this thing. Whatever it was, he called it his thorn in the flesh. But at the end of the three prayers, he did not get the healing or whatever it was he needed for that thorn in the flesh. Instead, he got this comprehension from God. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee. You. You. You personally. So we can take from that and say, okay, not only is God's grace this awesome ocean or this east from the west or all these things. God's grace is so amazing and so powerful and so deep that it's not only just this huge place where we can all come. It's a personalized solution tailor-made just for every single one of us in this room god looks at us and says i know you have specific things and personal problems and past and weakness and sin and all these different little things that we have that separate us from god what i have is different from what you have my struggle and your struggle could be completely different they both separate us from god but they're different but god says my grace is sufficient for you So I have exactly what you need over here, and you need over here, and you need over here, and you need over here. That boggles my mind that on earth that's approaching 8 billion people, we have a God and Savior who has a plan to save every single one of us, specifically exactly how we need to be saved. That's incredible. God's grace is not just sufficient for Paul. It's sufficient for every single one of us. And it's ready and willing to do the job. All right. So don't need to hear me drink water. So now I'm gonna use something that we all have in our homes to demonstrate to you the grace of God. Because the grace of God is it's awesome to talk about, we love it, we sing about it, we're thankful for it, but it's hard to see it. Okay? Say, show me baptism, okay, it's right there. Show me the Holy Ghost so you can kind of see that. Show me grace. I don't know. It's, it's just there, doing stuff. You can't see it. So I'm going to use a very simple household item that I'm sure you have in your house to show you how the grace of God works. Paper towel. Like I said, there's props, but don't get too excited. Um, I even have this awesome grace holder. I actually purchased this for Tanya for Christmas a few years ago. How romantic, eh? And I even wrapped it, like she couldn't figure out what it was. <laughs> that is not the only thing I got her, just saying. Otherwise probably wouldn't be preaching here tonight. See it's got this cool thing to like hold it in place? It's perfect. Paper towel. Everyone, raise your hand if you have paper towel in your house somewhere, okay? Hopefully it's not that yellow stuff they have in the school board system because that stuff's not paper towel. That's just, I don't even know what that is, but it doesn't soak up any water. It literally repels water. (sighs) Paper towel. How does that, how are you going to demonstrate the grace of God by paper towel? First off, paper towel for me, at least in my house, because of who I am and what I'm like, can be used as an economic indicator of how things are going in the world. I don't know if you notice, but this stuff's pretty expensive. Okay? So, and you may say, you're weird. There's actually a true economic model that's used to determine whether there's going to be a recession or not. I'm kind of embarrassed to say what it is, but it's basically men's underwear sales. Economists can predict if a recession is coming if based on men's underwear sales across North America because when men feel like something is going good, they're like, I think I'm going to buy some new underwear. But when men feel like, "Uh uh-oh, I don't know what's going to happen, well, I think I can get another year out of these. You're like, is that real? It is real. Google it. It is a real thing. Okay? But in my house, it's paper towel. Okay? So if times are tough, like I'd say right now times are kind of tough, like you can't go anywhere without hearing the I word, okay, inflation. It's like everybody's saying it. A month ago, nobody even really knew what it meant, but now everybody's saying it. Half of us still don't know what it means, but we're saying it. Inflation, 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 okay? So times are tough. Money is tight. People are trying to save money, so it's like, okay, family meeting, paper towel needs to be limited, we got to use what we need. So you're wiping peanut butter off of a knife. I'm going to give you your paper towel. Like, that's all you need. (laughs) Seriously. My wife says, do you know they have select a size? I'm like, I did. I selected my size. This is what I want. (laughs) It's peanut butter on a knife. I don't need an entire sheet of paper towel. you got to conserve it. Now, not that long ago... I don't know. I was out somewhere and I came home and I don't know what it was. I was in the kitchen. And I opened the garbage in the kitchen. What do I see inside the garbage can is four pieces of paper towel. And then I look at them and I'm like, there's nothing on there. Like, they look, it looked like someone ripped off four sheets and literally just laid them in the garbage can. And if anyone who knows me, you know what I'm like. I couldn't help myself. I yell out, I said, Why are there four sheets of unused paper towel in the garbage can? And my wife, very quickly, she knew what it was. She quickly replies from the living room Oh, while you were out, Cole made his own nachos. And that was it. You're telling me a plate of nachos? Like that? He doesn't even put salsa on his nachos. It's literally chips and cheese. I have no clue what this was even doing. But here it was, perfectly laid. It was like this. Like someone folded it and just set it in the garbage can like that. I'm like, times are too tough. We cannot be using paper towel like that. No, I did not take it out of the garbage. I do have standards. (laughs) Once something enters the garbage, it's gone forever. But, you know, I mean, if you're a normal person like me, you probably agree, like, we shouldn't be wasting it. However, there are certain moments in time. They're usually on the morning when you wake up late or when you're on your way to something or you're dressed fancy or, you know, you have friends coming over and everything is perfect and you've got your big cup of coffee orange juice, you have a kid who decided I don't need sippy cups anymore and I can drink on the couch because I'm a big kid now and nothing bad's gonna happen. Sometimes you're just an adult, it happens to every human. You know you're just sitting there, you're sitting at your desk or something and you reach for that cup and you just miss by like a millimeter and the difference between picking up that cup and going and instantly coffee, orange. It's always the stuff that you don't want it to be, right on the spot where you don't want it to be. So it starts pouring in every direction. It's going into crevices. It's see- seeping into carpets. It's going into your couch. It's going in between the seats. It's, it's going everywhere. It's a humongous, ginormous mess. And someone calls out, spill! And the entire family gets up. And it's like, spill, spill, spill. It's at that moment that you don't even think. You just literally grab the entire roll and say, I don't know how much we're going to need. It's like the fire department. We just bring every truck. (laughs) And we just say, oh, it's going in here. It's going in here. We need more. We need more. (coughs) Come on, get some over there. It's at that moment that the whole paper towel budgeted thing is out the window because the carpet's going to cost a lot more to fix than a roll of paper towel and you just start ripping it and ripping it there's like no end to it you said how are you going to use paper towel to describe the grace of God listen in a church this big with as much going on as we have there probably isn't one day of the week that we don't come across somebody who desperately needs the grace of God. And just like when you spill coffee or orange juice or whatever all over the place, when you least expected it, you don't stop and think, oh yeah, that's going to be a problem. No, you just start ripping and grabbing anything you can because the only thing that matters in that moment is we got to clean this up. Because if we don't, it's going to get into everything and it's going to get sticky and it's going to become hours of work. So just clean it up, clean it up, clean it up. There are people who are going to walk into this church and it might be the first time they've ever been here. There are going to be people walking into this church and it's the first time they've been here in a long time. There's going to be people who come here every single Sunday. But it doesn't matter. If you're a Christian, you you love God, you've been serving God for a long time, we all can have a spill in our life. Not one of us can say, well, it doesn't. It does. If you haven't spilled something in the last year, I'm warning you, Stay close to this because you're due. It's kind of the same spiritually. We, no matter how good we are, how close we stay to God, every once in a while, you know, just have a spill. And in that moment, we need somebody armed and ready. Let's go. You got a problem here? Let's get it. Come on, come on, come on. We got to get it. The world we live in has made an absolute mess out of people, out of lives, out of families. I think it's a lot worse than we realize. We are extremely sheltered in a lot of ways. We are blessed. We have this church. We have this shelter that kind of keeps us from seeing some of the stuff. That doesn't mean our lives are perfect. We don't deal with things. But some of the things I hear and some of the things I see, it's troubling how much people are going through horrible situations that we can never imagine. So by the time they get to Mission Point or North End or Quispimpsis or West or South or all the other places that we have church, by the time they get to your job, by the time they get to your house, by the time they get to you, they're already in a pretty tough place. And they may not come out and say it, but chances are they're looking for help. And we got a lot of things that can help them. We're going to teach them about being Baptized. We're going to teach them about receiving the Holy Ghost. We're going to teach them about living a holy life and tithing and being part of a church and all these awesome things that we're going to teach them. But before we teach them any of that stuff, just get this out. Because you can't, they don't even know what that stuff is. We live in a world where most people don't, have never gone to church. You have either go to church every week or you've never gone to church. That's what it is for most people under 40 these days. The only time they've ever been to church is someone died, someone got married. They just haven't, they have no experience. So let's not get caught up trying to explain to them doctrine on their first night or their first Bible study. And let's just get this out and say, here, we got to clean some stuff up. God's got grace that can wash this away. I, when I was a kid, I like a young kid, I really, really wanted to be a firefighter. Um, Like when, I'm from the time before phones were really a thing, so I still had an imagination when I was a kid, and that's what we always did when we were like six or seven. Like, what do you want to do? Let's play fireman. We just play fireman every time. What do you want to do? Let's play fireman again. Never, we never got bored of it. We were all like, there's like three or four of us. We were all sure we were going to be firemen. None of us even remotely came close. Because of course you get older and you realize what being a fireman is, and you're like, I could never do that. <laughs> but I do have a ton of respect, obviously, for the profession. It's very dangerous, and um, but it's also kind of an odd profession because, and like with all first responders, but specifically firemen, because you sit there, you train, you train, you train, you train, and then you wait, and you wait. You wait and nothing might happen and nothing might happen. And then all of a sudden, it's like, boom, that alarm goes off. You jump into action and you just go. 100 miles an hour. And it amazes me the preparation that goes into it, all just waiting for that one moment. Like, I, even when, like, in the summer, they like, maybe you drive by and they'll have, like, the door open and you can kind of see in. And seven-year-old me is still looking in like, oh, look at all that cool stuff. Fire trucks and equipment. But, like, I've visited fire halls, and, like, they have, like, the suit, the uniform, like, I don't want to call it the uniform, but the fire suit that they wear is just ready to go. The boots are there, ready to go. Everything is ready to go. Even if, in St. John, at least, you drive by, like, to the point that they leave the door of the truck open. It's just sitting there open. You're like, really? The time to grab the door? That's going to slow them down. But everything is like pinpoint so that when that alarm goes, all five guys or all ten guys or all ten girls know exactly where they're going to go, when they're going to get there, how they're going to put it on. They're going to put it on as quickly and they're going to get it in that truck because they know like seconds could be the difference between someone's life or death, someone's house being destroyed or fire being put out. That's how that profession works. That's got to be us every little thing we do we've got uh, brother carter read them all there was what like how many how many ministries brother robertson there was a lot 77 77 ministries all we're we're just we're just doing them yep just doing this ministry we're greeting people we're singing we're playing instruments we're, we're cleaning the church we're doing the all that Video stuff, we're, we're teaching classes, we're teaching youth, we're going and visiting, we're all this stuff, we're counting money, all this stuff's happened. 77 different ministries, we're all just standing there waiting, 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 waiting. And then when someone comes in and says, Oh man, I just made a huge mess of my life, meep, meep, meep. here we go. The alarm goes off. The grace of God, we're ready to tell it, we're ready to give it, we're re- ready to show it. It all adds together. It all adds together. All those little things that we need to do, we just need to be ready. I believe we can, whenever I pray, it's like, God, first off, just put somebody in every pew. Now it's Wednesday night, so don't judge. But like on Sunday, I'm like, make sure there's at least one person in every single pew. There's a lot of pews in this room. And usually on Sunday, it's pretty close. I'm like, oh, there's like three pews that don't have a person in them. But it's close. I'm like, God, just put someone in every pew. And then once you've got someone in every pew, God, put someone like in every seat. That's getting close too. You watch on the youth weekend on Sunday, how many people are going to be here on that Sunday morning. And start to realize how close it is. And then I say, okay, God, once you've got that, literally make it so there's no more seats. And we have to put chairs around the back or figure something out to get more people in here. That can happen. But it's going to take every single one of us standing ready to go. Showing people the grace of God. You want to fill the church? Show them the grace of God. Then teach them the other stuff. I'm not saying we're getting rid of that. Obviously not. But start with the grace of God. Show them that God loves them. Show them that God died for them. Show them that God can forgive them. Go to those scriptures we read. You want to know how far God can move you from your sin? Infinitely far. Walk east and tell me when you start walking another direction. It'll never happen. That's how far God can move you away from your sin. All that stuff is possible. If you're in this place tonight, and you're like, oh man, my, I don't want anyone to know, but i got a mess on my hands. I don't know if God can, if there's enough, if God can forgive me. I'm telling you, there's more than enough. How much is there? How much do you need? That's how much there is. You're like, well, what happens when this roll runs out? If you go back to that one where Peter said, how many times? Seven? It's almost like Jesus sent Peter to Costco and Peter said, how many rolls of, to- of paper towels should I buy there? Jesus, and seven? Seven should cover it? I know we're a bunch of messy guys, so let's get seven. He said, Peter, you need to get 490 rolls. And that's just for this week. Because we got a lot of messes to clean up. We're going to be preaching to a lot of broken, hurting, down-and-out people. And they're going to need a lot of cleanup. He was preparing Peter. So that when he did get his chance to preach, he could and he did preach. And what did he see? What, 3,000 people added to the church the first day. That's the kind of stuff that can happen here when we get a hold of what Jesus was trying to show him. That there's no end to the forgiveness. There's no end to the grace. There, I tried my best to show you invisible grace. It's very hard to see. Two things are going to come out of this. Either you're going to say, Yeah, I, I kind of got that illustration. That's one. Hopefully, that's the good one. The other one is next time you spill a bunch of coffee or something, this is going to pop in your head. And I'm going to tell you right now, as angry and as mad as you want to be at yourself or your kids or your dog or your cat or whoever caused the mess, I'm going to tell you, this is God's way of saying, My grace is sufficient for thee. So clean it up with a smile. It could be worse. Can we all stand? It's eight eighteen. Perfect. I'd ask the music to come back, but I don't know what they would sing. (laughs) Is it a song about paper towel? I don't think so. But let's all bow our heads or raise our hands or whatever it is. And let's just pray. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, I worship you and I praise you, God. Hallelujah. God, remind us what it felt like for us the first time we ever felt that love, that forgiveness, that grace, that mercy. It grabs a hold of you. Maybe we're at an altar. Maybe we're alone. Wherever we were. Maybe it was in a baptismal tank. We were somewhere that first time we experienced it, Lord Jesus. God, tears probably came to our eyes. Emotion flooded us, God, that first time we felt like, I think Jesus loves me. I think Jesus really did forgive me of my sin. God, I pray, bring us back to that moment, God, not just for ourselves, God, but put in us a desire to share it with others that are around us all the time in a broken, messed up world where people's lives are hanging by a thread. They need to clean up. God, I pray in Jesus' name, you're the one who can do it. We can't forgive sins, God. We, we are not the grace. We are not the forgiveness, God. But we can be the ones who carry it. We can be the ones who bring it to people. We can be the ones to read about it, sing about it, talk about it, show it with the way we act towards people the actions we take, the words that we use. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you place a burden on these precious people tonight. God, not to make them feel bad or guilty, God, but to just give them a desire and a push never before, like never before, God, to see our church thrive and grow in this building and every other building around our city, God, and in our area that we're using to reach people, God, I pray that you'd fill each one, God, by the mighty power of your grace your forgiveness God the washing away through baptism the infilling of the Holy Ghost hallelujah if you agree with that prayer right now you just worship God hallelujah and thank him if God's ever forgiven you from something that was so big you thought I'll never get out of this one but God made a way can you just worship God right now hallelujah hallelujah Jesus we worship you we praise you. We thank you, God. So many times, God, I had to come to you and ask you to forgive me, God, and so many times you have. Hallelujah, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, amen. I hope God spoke to you in some way tonight. I hope God will lay somebody on your heart. You can talk to and you can help this week pray. Let's just pray, Lord Jesus, God, be with us as we leave this place. Bring us back here this weekend. Prayer and church on Sundays. God, just be with us and strengthen everyone. Fill our church, God. Fill our church, God. Not for us, but for you and for those that need you most, I pray. Hallelujah. I worship you, Jesus. I praise you. Hallelujah. So I won't keep you any longer. If you need to keep praying, go ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.